Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we get to this week's. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, so over the past couple of weeks, if you haven't been here or you're like sleeping, we've been um, talking about the Lord's Prayer and, and what, does, what does this mean when we say these things that we've said so many times over and over again? So, so far, uh, we've gotten to the point where we've, we've established uh, a few like really important things that we're saying when we say these words. God, perfect and holy, he is our father, not my father, not your father, not just Christian's father, but our father, everyone's father. We're in this together. Our creator. And our father, our creator, is the king of his kingdom, the king of, of this kingdom, and he invites us to be a part of that kingdom. So now we move on to this part of the prayer where we get to, to pray about our very favorite thing in the entire world, ourselves. You know, and as this, as this prayer shifts from being focused upwards to more downwards here on us and, and, and what's going on in our lives and around us, uh, we really need to understand what it is that we're asking God for when we pray for the things that we need and the things that we want, when we say our daily bread. So... I'm going to like get ahead of myself in the, of myself in the calendar here and Every year around Christmas, a certain movie is broadcast all over America, I imagine all over the world, and it it features a cast of uh, just fantastic characters with rather funny names, and one of them has not only a funny name, but he's got a funny nose, too. That's right, it's it's Rudolph, you know? And um, so I have this whole tribe of nieces and nephews. It's actually a whole tribe of nephews and one niece, which is part of the reason that every time I talk to my mom, she says, when are you going to give me another granddaughter? And I'm like, yeah, because I can choose that, first of all. And second of all, give me some time here. I got, like a, I got a lot of things going on, you know? I'm busy. I'm a busy guy. So, <laughs> but anyway, my oldest nephew is almost 18 years old now, and uh, he used to love to watch the DVD of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on repeat any time of day, any day of the year. Yes, May, perfect time to watch Rudolph if you're a three-year-old, right? And you know how kids are. Eventually, they begin to repeat literally every single thing that they hear. So one day, he walked up to my sister-in-law in in the kitchen, and he began to proclaim, Mom, I'm independent. He was three. He continued on with this, and both my brother and his wife were quite interested in where this little boy got such a ridiculous idea to say something that was so very obviously untrue. 
And then one day, they happened to be in the living room while, once again, he was watching Rudolph. And the scene came on uh, in which Rudolph is talking to an elf, an elf who is no longer a part of Santa's toy-making army. And the elf proclaims to Rudolph, I'm independent. And you probably know this scene. Rudolph goes back to him, I'm uh, 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 what you said. And the elf replies, well, let's be independent together. And I literally, just in writing this down, realized the irony of that statement, you know? Um, But it made me think of the reality of this world. We're people all navigating life, trying our best to keep things afloat while we wonder about and worry about the really big questions in life. Now, what does it all mean? What am I doing here? Am I ever going to do something that actually matters? Does it even matter if I do? So, in desperation, we seek the answers, or we at least seek to quiet the nagging voice inside of our heads by just working forward, getting the job, or getting the house, or getting the spouse, or all the things in life that might give us a shot at feeling like we're doing something that matters, like we really understand what everything is all about. And in our quest to do this all on our own, we end up alone. But all the while... All around us, there's seven billion other people doing the exact same thing. And they too are alone. So here we are, alone, together. And we, we tell ourselves that, hey, it's all okay because it's good to be independent. It's good to be the one who takes care of me. It's what my parents told me I needed to grow up and do when I was living in their basement. <laughs> It's the American way, and we're Americans, and as Americans, we value independence. We literally celebrate it every July, right? And we aren't the only ones. At some point, most of the free world has fought long and hard and lost a lot to be able to say, I'm independent. In fact, this coming Tuesday... Our Micronesian brothers and sisters, on September 11th, not a great day for Americans, but a very great day for the people of Pompeii. It's their island's Independence Day. This summer, I got to visit Athens. Uh, That's in Greece. And uh, our tour guide took us by um, the tomb of the unknown soldier. And I have, a, I have a picture here of it. And this is one of Greece's monuments to celebrate the sacrifice that was made to gain their own independence. And it was only in that moment that I really thought about history and realized something very profound for Greek people. You know, they were established as independent city-states who just kind of lived and did whatever they wanted. They cooperated with one another when it was beneficial. They fought with each other when it was beneficial. Until the empire was kind of united under the Macedonians and then annexed in, annexed by Rome, right? Yeah, we know how they annexed people. And then it just continued on, the Byzantine Empire, and then the Ottoman Empire, until the late 1800s. So that means for 2,000 years, Greek people were controlled by and dependent on 
people who were not Greek. They depended on a foreign entity. And so, like, hey, dude, it's September. Why are you talking about independence? That's like such a July thing, right? But it's very much ingrained in our humanity to seek to be independent. We're conditioned and encouraged to grow up, get a job, move out, take care of yourself, stop calling and asking me for money, kid. And don't get me wrong, I mean, that's a good thing to do. Parents, you'll, you'll agree. But what happens is that somehow along the way, we have this attitude and we let it seep into our relationship with God. And God doesn't want us to grow up, move out, and take care of ourselves. God wants us to be dependent on him. And in fact, no matter how much we tell ourselves that we don't depend on God, we're just fooling ourselves. We're just lying. And if you don't believe me, try breathing air that hasn't been converted from carbon dioxide to oxygen by some tree or plant out there somewhere using this finely tuned chemical reaction that relies on certain subatomic factors being positioned in the right place at the right time. I know, God is cool, and every time I learn more about science, I realize how much cooler God is than I thought. So we get to this point in the Lord's Prayer where we're asking God, hey, give us this day our daily bread. What are we actually saying? And what's going on with all the bread? I mean, I imagine I can survive on bread every day, but if you're on the keto diet, you're probably like, hey, God, don't give me the bread. I don't need it. You guys got that way better than the 930 service. <laughs> They're like, what diet? <laughs> But I can, I can honestly get my own bread. Like, I don't need God to provide it for me, or so I think. I need him to, to work on some of the more impossible things that I've got going on. But we're not just saying, hey, God, can I get some more of that bread? And honestly, could you, like, get, not make it the potato bread this time? That's gross. I want, like, a ciabatta or something, right? Or if you're from Philadelphia like me, like an Amoroso roll would be great. Thank you. This is really a resounding declaration that says, God, holy, perfect Father, ruler of the world, king of the kingdom, I need you. I need you today. I need you every single day. But we do that using bread because Jesus taught us to symbolize our dependence on God using bread. And throughout the entire redemption story that's given to us in the Bible, bread is used to symbolize God's saving grace, God's provision, God's miraculous ability to step into ordinary human lives and give us exactly what we need when we need it. And we see Jesus do this in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 5 through 14, it starts out like this. It says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was about to do. And Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to even have just a bite. <laughs> <laughs> 
But another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. And so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Now, after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. So in the story, Jesus quite literally feeds at least 5,000 people, performing the miraculous multiplication of five barley loaves and two fish. You've probably heard this story before. He sees that the people are there and that they're hungry, and he uses his divine power to feed them. But there's a lot more to this story. He isn't just feeding the people to feed them. He's working on something more. And these are all people who are gathered and would recognize the importance of bread. It was a major part of their history. Way back, many, many years earlier, their ancestors were stranded in the desert. They had just been delivered from slavery in Egypt, and while they were wandering, they were in need of food. Well, actually, they weren't just wandering. They were wandering and complaining about Moses to one another, saying, man, we were so much better off in slavery in Egypt. At least we had food to eat. Mind you, they'd just seen like countless miracles, you know, those plagues that God set out. The whole like walking on dry land across the sea. Just minor stuff, you know? Not a big deal. But I get it. I mean, they were they were hangry. You know, that's when you're hungry, so it makes you angry. It's a word that's thrown around frequently in my house, usually to describe my wife's husband. But anyway, <laughs> have you eaten today? No. <laughs> But anyway, God says to Moses, tell them to quit their crying and their complaining. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to rain down bread on them every morning for six days a week. Tell them to gather up what they need for each day. No more. Except on the sixth day, they should gather up enough for two days. That way, they don't have to work on the Sabbath. So naturally, the Israelites do like exactly the opposite of what God says. And uh, they go out and they try to hoard bread overnight. And when they do, they wake up in the morning and the bread is rotten. It's got maggots in it. But there's fresh bread on the ground. And of course, on the Sabbath, they go out looking for bread and there's none. And still, they find room to complain. Say, man, we're so sick of this bread. Where can we get some meat to eat? And so God's like, fine, I'll send you quail every day. And you have meat to eat. But the point of this story is, is that the history was ingrained into the people that Jesus was feeding on this day. Jesus' miracle of feeding 5,000 
with, with merely just enough bread to feed his own tribe of disciples showed them that he was someone special. And they recognized him as the prophet, remembering a time when their own ancestors were given daily bread from God. It's kind of a sidebar here, plug for like a future sermon series. But notice at the end that the disciples gather up all the leftovers so that none of God's gift might be wasted. We'll come back to that at a different time. But the point is that God has provided for these people. And they hadn't even asked him to provide for them yet. And this is so closely related to the way that God works in our lives, the way that God provides for our needs. God is actively providing for the needs of all humans, all races, all places, without them even realizing that he's doing it. Do you realize that we rely on complex chemical reactions occurring in a specific, exact, and perfect way every single time that we breathe? every time that we take in food or drink, or even every time that we look at something. We live on this sphere hurling through space at 67,000 miles an hour with a mass just perfect enough to keep it orbiting at the right distance from the sun that we don't freeze or burn up. When Jesus was talking to the people about how to pray, He said this in Matthew 6, 8. He says, Do not be like the pagans, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. We have a God who knows exactly what we need before we even say a word. Our needs being met is not a condition on whether or not we pray. So if you're like me, you're like, hey, then why do I do it, right? Why even pray if God knows what I need and he's going to give it to me? Why do I even ask? Why does Jesus say, pray, give us this day our daily bread? Well, it's because it's just like everything else that Jesus ever taught. It's not really about your actions. It's about your heart when you do them. And a heart that realizes, God, I need you, and acknowledges that, with their words, is a heart that is humble. And a humble heart realizes that it is fully and completely dependent on God, not independent in any way. And so our story continues on. Jesus left from feeding the 5,000 because as soon as they recognized him as the prophet, they were trying to make him king. So he, he disappears and, because that wasn't really his plan, at least not yet. And so the disciples looking for Jesus are like, well, he's gone. I guess we'll set sail to Capernaum, the, the town across the lake. And meanwhile, there's this real bad storm. Jesus does this thing where he like walks on water and it's not a big deal, but... The next day, the people came back looking for Jesus. And when they noticed that he and the disciples were were gone, they head to Capernaum, which is where they once again found him and and where we pick up at John 6.25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, 
you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs that I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And so they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Well, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And sir, they said, Always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I know that was, that was a lot, so let's just break it down a little bit. Jesus basically says to them, hey, you are looking for me because you had a taste of what I have to give you. And isn't that true of our lives? We go out searching for Jesus because we've had a little taste of him. Whether it's because everything else in this entire world has failed us, or because we've seen the way that he's working in the lives of the people around us. Through that, through his grace in that, we get a little bit of hope. And that causes us to, to desire to search a little bit deeper, to understand a little bit more. At first, we're talking about actual bread in our prayer for daily bread. And quite literally, it means the things that we need to survive, just like Jesus gave these people literal, physical bread. But now Jesus starts to talk about something more. He flips it. He, he says, I am the bread sent down to give life to the world. I am the bread of life. And understanding this power, this eternal value that Jesus is offering, the people say, always give us this bread. We, we want this always. Give it to us every day. We need you. And this is the reality of what we're really asking God for when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We are asking him for this bread of life a bread that we can never attain based on our good works or our feeble attempts to live our best life now. It's, it's the bread of life, the bread that we so desperately desire, the bread that we are programmed to seek, the bread that's missing long before we even know that we need it. But we get so hung up on taking care of ourselves and working hard for food that spoils when all along God is saying to us, hey, knock it off. You don't need that. You need me. And I want you. 
I fed your ancestors in the wilderness with bread to, f- to build their faith. I fed 5,000 that day with bread to give them faith so they would know who I am. In fact, I was tempted by the devil in the wilderness to turn rocks into bread, but I chose faith in my Father in heaven over the temporary satisfaction of a full belly because I wanted you to know how much more valuable your faith is than a full stomach. And finally, I made bread the sign of this new covenant between you and God so that If you have faith and believe in me, you'll have eternal life. So stop working so hard to be independent from God. Stop relying on yourself. Stop relying on the world because it's just going to let you down. You are just going to let you down. And the whole time between building up your hopes, your hopes in you and your hopes in the world And being let down, you're going to spend that entire space of time worrying about not getting what you think that you need. And worry and fear is where our quest for independence leads us. It leads us to hearts that are burdened with worry over whether or not we're going to be taken care of. When all the while, God is saying, hey, I'm right here, and I've got you. See, our quest to gain and celebrate our independence is a farce. It's a lie, because we never were independent, and we never will be. Give us this day our daily bread is a plea from the hearts of humankind saying, God, I need you now. I'm dependent on you. Take my worries, take this pain that they cause, and let me have some rest in you today. Let me stop fighting and just be dependent on you today, God. Give me this bread always. You know, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, the theme of this entire series is really surrender. First, with our Father, we surrender our praise. Then, thy will be done, we surrendering our own will. And this week, it's about surrendering our worry, surrendering our fear, surrendering our independence. And we do this through prayer, through waking up every single day and saying, God, I need you. Trust me. He already knows that you need him. He doesn't need reminding but you do. And so this is what I've done because uh, you know I'm just as bad at this as anybody else in the world. Um, about a month ago, I found myself really beginning to rely on the least reliable person that I know, myself. And uh, so I took out my phone and I, I set a gentle little reminder in the form of an alarm 
Uh, they go off a few minutes, about 20, 30 minutes after I normally wake up, get some coffee first, you know. But when it goes off, it simply just says, pray. And it works. I remember, okay, let's do this thing. Like, God, you and I'll be around for the ride. You do your thing, and I'm just going to show up. And I want to invite you to join me in this. So sometime today, take out your phone and go to whatever you need to do, alarm clock. Maybe it needs to be a loud, annoying alarm. Maybe a soft, gentle alarm. That's what I use. Or the reminder section on your phone. But just put in there like, hey, at some point during this day, preferably early before I go and mess everything up, ask God to like, be in control. Ask him to help you. Ask him to remind you, to remind yourself that you're not in charge. Ask him to take care of your needs so that when you start to worry, you can tell yourself, hey, like, shut up. Just shut up. God is already on it. We're good. See, your daily bread is peace. It's delighting in a God who loves you, who cares for your needs, who created you uniquely for a purpose, who created you to love him, to desire him, to enjoy him, and to bring him glory always. We remind ourselves of this when we say, God, give us this day our daily bread. Let's pray. Holy God, we love you. And we're just so sorry that we constantly forget how much we need you in our life every day, how dependent we are on you, Lord. And we just ask that you would remain in our hearts and, and on our minds and reminding us every single day going forward that, like, hey, I, I need you. I need you to take care of my needs, both physical and spiritual, God. We ask that you would help us to keep it in the forefront of our mind that we're not in control of things. Keep in the forefront of our mind that every single day when we wake up, we've got a chance to live a new life. And that we have a decision to make whether or not we're going to fight you on that. God, heal our worries and our pain. The fears that we have about going through our life that we're not going to be enough or that we're not going to get enough or that we're not going to be able to provide enough for those that we love, Lord. Help us give that over to you. Help us remember that before we speak a word, you know what we need. We just ask, Lord, that you would abide in our hearts with your Holy Spirit and lead us. Lead us to be a people who celebrate our dependence on you. We ask all this, Lord, in your Son's precious and holy name. Amen.